Well, last week we talked, oh, before I start that, the new devotionals are in, and they're back there. And I know we did this after we received the offering, but they're $3 a piece. If you can't afford that, have one anyway, be blessed. If you can, it just helps a little bit. You can put it in next week's offering. Just We operate on the honor system on those. So those are back there if you want one. Last week, we talked about knowing God. And so I hope you were motivated, and this week you've gotten to know God a little bit better. And just taking the time to get to know God. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more today. Last week, one of the scriptures I used, and I'll read it to you. I'll just give you the condensed version. You don't need to look there. In Jeremiah 9, Verses 23 and 24, it says, Don't glory in wisdom, don't glory in might, don't glory in riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That's God speaking. That he understands and knows me. We've talked about that Mike has been ministering on your purpose. And really our number one purpose in life is to know God. He created us to fellowship with him. And he wants us to know him. And so... We need to take time to do that. Paul states in Philippians chapter 3, the great apostle Paul, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That was Paul's real goal, was to get to know him. And so we need to take the time. And I think the thing I was, as I've been thinking about this and pondering about this, we live in a, a time there's just so much information out there and there's so many people out there and there's so many different ideas out there and it's, you know, you hear this from one source and you hear this from another source and you can't turn the news on without them talking about lying and liars and truth and truthfulness and that whole thing. It just, it's almost to the point you don't even want to hear it anymore. But this, that I think is the reason that it's so important that we know God because God never changes. His methods change, his people change, and and culture changes, but the, the nature and the character of God always stays the same. So that gives us a cornerstone. It gives us a post from which to focus our energies on. I know years ago, 30, 40 years ago, in the late 70s and the early 80s, all the old ministers, you know, I was young then, and the old ministers all talked about secular humanism. I didn't really want to hear about secular. It didn't interest me. It wasn't relevant to me. I didn't see what it mattered. But now, 30 years later, you know, and we're not talking about, and I'm not talking about politics, okay? Get that, Mike, I'm not talking about politics. Mike doesn't like me to talk about politics. He likes to watch Tucker Carlson because he loves to see him fight with people. But, but he doesn't want me to talk about politics. So I'm not talking about politics. I am talking about the state of mankind. Okay? And the thing I didn't understand, they said secular humanism is it's dangerous. It's creeping into our schools and it's creeping into our lives. And I didn't understand and I didn't really care. But now 30 years later, you start to see things that boggle your mind. Things that I can't comprehend and probably you can't either. Why do they think like this? Why 
you know, are these things happening and taking place in our society? These are the these are some characteristics of secular humanism. And in in last week, I just briefly mentioned Gnosticism. You know, the worship of of knowledge, of academic knowledge, and and they warn about that throughout the scriptures. They warn about that. Well, basically, it is it's the same thing. In Colossians, turn to Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to read eight verses, so hang on. You can follow along if you want. He says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you, and for those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, this again is Paul talking, the guy that said he needs to know God, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to knowledge of the mystery of God, both to the Father and of the Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's why we need to know God, because in him are all the treasures of real wisdom and real knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. We live in a time in an era of people deceiving people with persuasive words. All, basically, that's all political correctness is. It's an attempt to persuade you with their words, to make you believe something that they believe is true but isn't necessarily true. They hate it when somebody speaks the truth. Now, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Now, this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with with persuasive words for though I am absent in the flesh yet I am with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him rooted and built up in him established in the faith as you've been taught abounding in that with thanksgiving Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. He is warning the Colossians way back 2,000 years ago to be careful not to be deceived. And really nothing ever really changes. If you read history, the same fights were going on between Adams and Jefferson that are going on between the Democrats and the Republicans today. It's just the same thing, just rehearsed over and over and over. And it's the same thing. There were the same deceivers, those that were deceived and being deceived back then. And Paul warns us against them. So secular humanism is really no different. Humanists believe humanism is really a religion. It's a counter-Christian religion. Humanists believe that God does not exist. Have you ever heard of the Antichrist? Well, that's capital A. But little a, Antichrist, against Christ. Humanists believe that God does not exist, that mankind is the highest entity. We are gods. We are the God, that man is the measure of all things. In humanism, they believe that anyone disagrees with that fact is ignorant, that you're an idiot. And I guess, you know, I listen to some of this stuff and I think, my God, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't get it. It just perplexes me. But basically that's why, because anybody agrees with that is ignorant. So we should all here be ignorant to their thinking. 
people, the next thing they believe is that people should feel good about themselves regardless of behavior. There's no right, there's no wrong. Because you are God, what you think and what you feel is the gold standard. Okay? You see any of that in our society today? I didn't get that back then. But it's just becoming more evident all these years later. There is the tendency in humanists to believe that anything that I or that person does is acceptable. I myself can't hurt you, but you can hurt me. Essentially, in in secular humanism, everything is based on feeling, on head knowledge. There's no real grasp of truth. Man is merely a highly evolved animal. So some human life is not even special. In other words, some people, God didn't, there's no God, so God didn't put you here for a purpose. He didn't create you. He didn't form you in your mother's womb. So you're not special, so I can abort you at will. I can kill, you know, euthanasia. uh, They support abortion, euthanasia, those things. Um, Dogs and cats have the same rights as humans. I have the right I have the right to choose, but you don't have the right to choose. It is a self-centered belief. There is no absolute right or wrong. And someone that believes in right or wrong is intolerant, and intolerance cannot be tolerated. Secular humanism. It's abounding in our culture. And that's why We need to go God. That's why we need to know the real truth because those things can slide in. They slide in on you. They slid in on me 34 years ago. I didn't think it was relevant to me. But that's what we need to realize. These things are going on, and God tells us to beware, not to be deceived. And so all these things are going on, and it talks about, you go through Revelation, and it gives you the sign of the times. And and I'm not saying this is the end of the age. I'm saying we are 2,000 years plus closer to the end of the age than we were when Jesus was here. You just think about that. But this signs of the times, lawlessness. Lawlessness will abound. Self-centeredness will abound. There is no right standard, wrong standard. People will be deceived, and they will deceive themselves, all these things. But we can, there's, there's, a, there's a prescription for that, to keep that from happening in our lives. There's a, an antibody, so to speak. It's to know God. If we know God, we can avoid those things. We can say, away from those things we can 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 know the truth and then so let's look let's get to know God a little bit let me give you the cheat sheet remember I told you I give you the cheat sheet look at Deuteronomy chapter 32 we need to know God the way you know God spending time with God fellowshipping with God hearing God reading his word and So here is the number one fact that you need to understand about God. Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 and 4. This is Moses speaking. Moses knew God. He met him in a burning bush. He'd seen him. 
in some form it says for i proclaim the name of the lord ascribe greatness to our god he is the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are justice a god of truth and without injustice righteous and upright is he god is truth that's our gold standard that is the cornerstone and one reason we need to to realize that real relationships cannot happen without truth and honesty and so you know last week i talked about that you can just be real with god why try to put on some phony thing with god he knows you anyway you just as well be honest in the first place just be honest with god and and god will be honest with you how do you know the truth in john turn to john chapter 8 Let's look at this. We'll look at a few more scriptures today. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 34. This is long too. Let me read it to you. Now, this is Jesus speaking. That was Moses before. Now we have Jesus. John eight thirty-one. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Here, cheat sheet number two. Know God. He's truth. You know how to figure out who God is, abide in his word. His word will explain. It's, it's pretty basic. Just abide in his word and you'll need, know him. If you abide in my word and you are my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And they answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will make me? We, you will be made free. And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. They didn't know who Jesus was because they didn't know the word of God. I speak that I have seen what I've seen with my father and you do what you have seen from your father. And they answered him and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. And then they said to him, we are not born of fornication. We only have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Why don't you get it? Because you are not able to listen to my word you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do he was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him when he speaks a lie he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it but because i tell the truth you do not believe In other words, he's spelling it out here. There is a right, there is a wrong, there is truth, and there is a lie. Truth comes from God and knowing God, and the devil is a liar. I believe God's going to do a great move in the earth. He's constantly on the move, but there's times when it seems a little more quiet, and then there's times he's going to speed things up. And I believe he's actually speeding things up. I believe... 
In the last few years, we have seen in this nation a couple major moves of God. And the problem is, I don't think a lot of people recognize it. Some people do. Some people got a hold of it. But a lot of the church world hasn't gotten a hold of it. And you can throw me out of here. I have the privilege to be up here. This is what I think. You're going to think I'm, you think I'm crazy. I think one of the major moves of God in this nation in the last 10 years is Duck Dynasty. I do. And you know what? I said that a long time ago. People didn't get it. They just think that God's going to only speak through people in three-piece suits. And if you have facial hair and wear camo, you're an idiot. (laughs) And I don't think people got it because God slid it in there. Who would have ever believed that Phil Robertson could be an oracle of God? People started listening to him because he was a hunter, not because he was a preacher. People don't want to listen to preachers. But if you're a hunter, you want to listen to hunters. And so God pulled them in, set it up, and bang. All of a sudden, Phil Robertson starts to speak the truth about being born again from years and years ago. And he starts speaking the truth. And a lot of people didn't like it because some people are of their father, the devil, and they don't want to hear the truth. And then, but I know lots of people, I know a lot of rednecks in camo with facial hair that wouldn't darken the door of a church, but they'd listen to Phil Robertson. I know a lot of hunters and hunting guides that, have named their dogs after the Robertsons. We know a hunting guide, he named his dog Duck, and it didn't work very good because every time he yells at the dog, everybody goes like this. But they talk about him. And, and, and then the second move of God, and people have missed this, I think, was our election. And people don't realize how much the Duck Dynasty people affected the election. And because Mike, we vote, when we vote, we vote at the Community Bible Church there on Park Avenue, and Mike and I went up there to vote, and we walked in there. And I voted for years, and usually there's a few scrag, you know, a few people there voting, dressed nice. That day, we went in there. It was full of camo and facial hair. And I said to Micah, this is a good sign. (laughs) This is a good sign. If this is what it is all over the country, some people are going to be surprised in Washington, D.C. And there are still some that are just shell-shocked. And so God's move, but if we don't know, if we can't recognize what God's not doing, we're certainly not going to recognize what God is doing, and we got to get to know God and realize he is not going to do everything the way he's done it years ago. God is for that forgotten man. It was the forgotten man that voted at this election. It was for the forgotten men with facial hair and camo shirts that Duck Dynasty reached.
God cares about the people that we don't necessarily esteem up here. God cares about the rednecks and the hillbillies and and the the man in the middle, the flyover states. God cares about those people. So we've got to make sure that we take time to know God because he's going to do some outstanding things, but they're not going to be necessarily the way we think it's going to be. Boy, Caleb years and years ago started to watch these duck hunters on TV. And I thought they're kind of strange. And here, they had a show before Duck Dynasty, and he got interested, and that's why we got started watching that. And it's weird, and it's silly, but that's why, you know, people are so tired of the heavy, heavy stuff. And I think God's just going to show up in places that we're not expecting, so we better be on our toes. We better make sure we've taken time to get to know God. We need to understand here from John verse chapter 8, it's there is truth. And if there is truth, therefore there is untruth. And God is his, in his word or truth, and Satan is a liar, and he's a father of lies. And I've always looked at this scripture, turn to Proverbs chapter 6. That's a city. If you want to know what God thinks, there are people out there and they say, Oh, God would never condemn anybody to hell. God isn't like that. God doesn't condemn anybody to hell. He gave you Jesus, and he gave you a book on how to stay away from hell, and you make the choice. He ain't going to send you there. You send yourself to either heaven or hell by the choice you make and the choice of making Jesus your Lord. But there are things God likes, and there's things God doesn't like, and God hates lies. I mean, Satan, we just read the scripture, Satan lies. He is the father of lies, and he is going to try to pervert everything to lie against God. That's how Adam and Eve were deceived. He didn't come in and just say, blatantly don't serve God. He snuck in. He, He didn't blatantly say, oh, you, but he just, oh, you can eat be okay he just kind of slips in so you got to be on your toes but it but that's why god hates lying because law lying basically is against truth and he's truth so any lying is against him in proverbs chapter 6 this just tells it exactly what god thinks verses 12 through 19 i do not understand why people can't it just flat out to me A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. That means a stubborn, contrary mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles with his feet. We think of lies as just flat-out blatant lies. This talks about winking with your eyes and shuffling with your feet, smoozing. It's being politically correct. It's just trying to say something real nice to deceive somebody. He points with his fingers, perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, remember this, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. These things the Lord hates. 
we only think that God is love. God is love, but he hates some things. God loves people. He hates sin because sin hurts people. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and anyone who sows discord among the brethren. Two times in that portion of scripture he's talked about untruthfulness. Have you ever had anybody lie about you? When we first moved here, I don't know what the thing was. It just seemed like we had people lie about us. I can think of two or three major things they were lying and there's nothing more hurtful i'm pretty tough skinned but boy that bothered me i did not like to be lied about it's hurtful and there's really not much you can do with about it just keep doing what you're doing keep living in truth and eventually you will prevail you'll just come through the fire but it's hurtful because, and that's why God, he speaks lies. They're hurting people. If they say there is no God, that's a lie, and it's hurting people. If they say that God doesn't love you, God's going to send you to hell. God's not going to send you to hell. He sent Jesus so you didn't have to. He loves you. And so he hates lies. He hates speaking lies. He, And, and where you read this in in uh, verse 17, seven things he hates, a proud look, a lying tongue. That can be translated there as untruthfulness. Untruthfulness. I looked it up in Rick Renner's book, and this is what untruthfulness is, and this is what's so important for us to realize. Untruthfulness isn't just blatant all out, lie, lie, lie. Untruthfulness is, well, it's any type of falsehood. To portray a false image of yourself, deliberately acting in a pretense that is untrue, intentionally misrepresenting facts or truth, exaggerations are lies born out of fear rather than faith. So it's very important in our our own, you know, oh, I never tell a lie, but do we exaggerate? Do we blow ourselves up? Do we try to impose some other idea of what we are upon somebody else? Do we mislead people? You know, we've had, we had people, we had a minister one time, and he didn't come out and just flat lie about us, but he just would make little insinuations that would try to to draw you into thinking something differently. And that is as dishonest as just a blatant, flat-out lie. And you can do that with yourself. And the danger in lying is you can lie so much you start to believe it. Years ago, when when we were first married and we lived in Tulsa, and we worked at the aerobics center at Oral Roberts University. And that's the health and physical education department. And I was working there. And he got a job because he was going to Rama, 
and this job worked perfect with his schedule. He worked in the maintenance and the housekeeping department. And if you know anything, maybe Oklahoma's changed, but back then there was, Nebraska's more even across the board, social, social standing and economic standing. You have some rich people, you have some poor people, but in Oklahoma you have extremely rich and you have extreme poverty in a lot of cases. And you have that eastern side of Oklahoma is kind of the western side of the Ozarks. And you have what a lot of people would consider hillbillies. Have you ever heard of the song, I'm an Okie from Muskogee? And um, so you had a lot of that. So the head of the department that Mike worked for was an Okie from Muskogee. He was what you would consider one true hillbilly. He had one tooth right in the middle, grinned for me all. And he just was, he just, he knew it all. He was, his name was John Peck. And actually the reason he had this, he came from poverty and he had this great job. He was the head of the maintenance because the guy could fix anything. He was brilliant as far as fixing anything. He could fix treadmills. He could fix exercise bikes. He could fix toilet sinks. Any equipment, he could fix it. But I suppose because he came from abject poverty and was in a social setting that was different, he felt very insecure. And so he always tried to exaggerate his status in life. And he told the biggest, windiest stories you've ever heard, stuff I couldn't even believe. He talked about going barefoot hunting on Saturday out in the hills of Oklahoma. He's barefoot and had no gun and he went after Black Panther and he got it and he killed it with his bare hands and on and on. It, it was almost it was like you can't believe he was talking about. He and he told the story so much he believed it. And he you know he was a great guy, had a great heart. He didn't have to do that, but it was born, I suppose, out of fear and insecurity, and it made himself feel big and important. And so next week, you guys, when you're down there hog hunting and you see a guy with one tooth and a big grin and out hunting barehanded, you know it's John Peck from down there. But, but we tend to do that. We want to portray ourselves to be something we're not because we you know, feel like we need to measure up. And like I said at the beginning, you don't have to do that because with God, he knows who you are anyway. And he created you for a purpose anyway. And so, you know, if you live your life making duck calls and have a shaggy beard and eat frog legs and squirrel, it's okay. Because God has a purpose for your life. And sometimes it might be way bigger than what you ever think. But if you try to be somebody else, He can't use you for what you've been called to be. And so there is no need to try to exaggerate who you are with God. God loves truth and honesty. God hates lies and untruthfulness because it hurts people. Let's look at Psalm 51 and we'll close with this.
Psalm 51, everybody knows David. David was a God, a man after God's heart. God loved David and David loved God. And David screwed up a lot, if you read through the Bible. And David had just made his probably number one major screw up before he wrote this psalm. And so let's begin um, in verse 6. And this is David speaking his psalm. It says, Behold, speaking to God, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create within me, God, a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors transgressors your way and sinners will be converted to you. David sinned. David knew he sinned. Probably the greatest sin of his life. The greatest repercussions of of his life because of that sin. But God, David knew this. That if he was honest with God. God would forgive him. God maybe wouldn't, that that child couldn't be restored, but David's life could be rebuilt and restored from them. The worst thing you can do is try to cover it up, hide your sin, just be honest with God. Just be honest with God. Be honest with the people around you. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. Just be who you are. Be who you are with God and and know that as you take that time, God loves truth. And if you're truthful with him, it's kind of like what Brad said, you reap what you sow. If you're going to be truthful with God, you're going to get truth from God. And God will always speak truth. But if you live a lie, you're just going to reap deceit and deceiving and lies. And you become like John Peck. You start to believe the lie. So if if you've... lied if you haven't you know been up front with god just be up front with him repent where you miss it and just go on god loves you don't believe what anybody else says god loves you god hates sin and he hates sin because it hurts you so just make sure you take time to know god